All right, uh, so this is Brandon Worsham. I'm sitting here with Mandy Lanchani and Garrett Davis. And our goal today is to just kind of talk about one-on-one -on -one ministry. Why do we do Fodge the way that we do it? Because um, I think we all know that there's probably better ways if we're going for quality teaching. You know, we could maybe hire Rick Watts to teach all of this material or any number of more qualified people than uh, just each of us in the ministry teaching this stuff one-on-one. -on -one. And so we want to kind of talk about just the overall approach and, and why one-on-one -on -one is how it's done for us. So yeah, I'll just kind of lead us off with a question for you two of why do you think one-on-one -on -one spiritual relationships are so important to the heart of our ministry? The first thing that comes to my mind is just that we we really do need each other to grow and change. Um, we don't tend to change or um, learn how to interact, learn how to be human completely alone. People who spend a lot of time are pretty weird. Um, but I think that we need this one-on-one -on -one time in order just to to learn from each other, to grow, to learn who God is, to share experiences with each other. And then I think it not only affects you as the person studying, I mean, the person who's being studied with, but it affects the person that's, be, that's doing the study as well. You just, getting in the word of God changes you as you're leading these studies as well. And so I think it puts us all in the word. It lets us know each other, exposes our vulnerabilities, and we can live out the one another passages in scripture. Yeah, I mean, I just think of, you know, relationships as being such a core component of uh, the faith. You know, our, our the most basic component of the faith is our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Um, and I think of, of depth as a ministry not being predicated on like high level events or, you know, one person uh, giving a sermon, speaking to a group of people who are not interacting with each other, um, or even in a core group or a small group where you're having, you know, some people talk, which is helpful and or more than at a bigger event or something like that. Uh, but you're still not connecting, uh, with each other like you can in a one-on-one -on -one sense. You know, I think you have this opportunity uh, in one-on-one -on -one relationships to, to go to a, a depth uh, that you just can't do anywhere else. It's the, it's the ability to, to really connect with another person, uh, to see what's really going on in their heart and mind, and to share what's going on in yours. Um, and I think, you know, as a ministry, it's such a, an important part uh, for us. It's, you could call it the heart of our ministry, because that's where I think hearts are most put on display. Uh, where we can actually share our hearts with one another through being vulnerable and through pursuing each other in, in a godly relationship and friendship. So, Well, and kind of at the core is like loving each other. That's the core of Christianity. You'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another, and you're not going to learn to love without one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, it just seems like growing up uh, myself in church, and I, I had some really good examples but uh, of of how to sort of live out the faith. But I think what was taught in church was so often just about kind of doctrine and right answers and moral behavior. And, and what I really saw exemplified, you know, was that church was a place to hide. 
Church was not a place to really show who you were. Yeah. It was a place to dress up in clothes that you didn't normally wear yeah. and to look ways you didn't normally look. And we did that on the outside, but we did that with our character and things too. And, mm. and then I started reading the New Testament and seeing how there's really very few instructions on church in the way we focused on. You know, what do we do when we all get together? What do we wear? Uh, you know, how long should those meetings be? Where should they be? All of that's sort of missing, but we obsessed over those things. But the stuff that's there is is mostly wrapped up in these, what we call the one another passages, teach one another, encourage one another, serve one another. And those things didn't really describe a lot of what I saw going on in church. And so uh, a lot of this is about trying to to sort of move away from we've hired some professional Christians to do our Christianity for us and to obey all the commands of the New Testament for us and get back to what what Jesus is actually calling us to which is that there are things that if you are a Christian you are called to do these things and there's a bunch of them and and there are things that we've sort of relegated to professional pastors and so um, yeah is is the teaching um, amazing seminary level depth when we meet one-on-one? -on -one? No, maybe maybe occasionally, but that's not really the point. We we already know enough gospel to save the world. These The, the simple truths are simple. Uh, they're powerful, they're profound, they're life-changing, and we need to get back to sharing them with one another. We need practice talking about them with one another, and we need to be in a setting where it's just a lot harder to hide. Even in small groups, I've sat in small groups where people are able to sort of talk about the scripture at arm's length for so long. It's, you know, well, I think it's saying that you ought to, and, and we kind of use this you ought to language because I don't want to talk about what I ought to do or what I did this week and how that doesn't sort of line up. So yeah, I, I think that's the, the heart of it is how do we get in these relationships and one-on-one -on -one, I know we all agree on this, doesn't have to always be one-on-one. -on -one. We, we really mean by that that ministry is personal. It needs to be small enough that we all share, small enough that we all see and, and know one another. So, yeah. Anything else you guys want to add on that? So going into studying the Bible one-on-one -on -one with someone, let's, let's imagine we've already set up to do like an FOJ study with someone. Um, how do you prepare for that? How do you think about being ready to do a good job without, again, trying to get a seminary degree and, and be an amazing expert at all this material? I think the first thing is to spend time with God in prayer. I don't think that we pray enough before we go and meet with somebody because one of the things I hold on to is just the promise that that the spirit is going to be with me when I'm doing God's work yeah. and spending time praying, I think is the first thing that we do in our preparation, but we have so many resources available to us. Just the fact that whoever's listening to this has found the audio guides, yay to you, because this is where you're going to find, you know, the teaching guides and some preparation needs to be done if you listen to the audio guide and take some notes and write down some great questions that is going to make your study with someone infinitely better than if you just go in and try to wing it 
And I always go through the scriptures, if I'm unfamiliar with them, go through the scriptures in the study and read them and see what they say and make sure you're familiar with those passages and what they actually do say and, and don't say. Um, and then the last thing I would say is just get advice. Um, ask questions, get to know the person, and don't, don't be afraid to truly just sit down and discuss the scriptures that you're reading and engage in that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the, the middle one that you're saying about just kind of being ready, going through the scriptures, these audio guides are helpful to that. Um, and, and sometimes, yeah, if I've taught this lesson 10 times, I may not need to spend as much time on that. But, but the prayer and, and even the getting advice, just talking through what I'm doing and my goals in those studies and things and about this specific person, that stuff is always valuable. And, and I know um, even after all these years, I still talk through my studies and my one-on-ones with, with wise ministers, people that can, can help me, and they just raise my game in that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm known for my preparation game, so I don't know how much um, I have, you know, to speak into this. You know, but the, the biggest thing that I think of is just, you know, our, um, you know, we're a custom shop, not a factory and thinking about each person that I'm preparing to study with and preparing to look at the scripture with just asking myself, you know, what, what does it look like to help this person take the next step towards Jesus? And so, you know, I think I, I have a lot of times I have to prepare questions that make sense for that person in coordination with the study. I can't just act as if every single study is going to hit the exact same way, hit the right way for every person that I get with. I have to figure out and do some legwork on where they're at and which part of you know that study I think we should especially spend a lot of time on. So if they're a very closed off person, um, you know, emphasizing the parts of scripture that bring up you know speaking uh, truth and living in the light and being willing to to show your real self to people. And if I'm speaking to someone that is is grappling with some sort of grief or whatever, looking at how I can speak into that and how we can look at you know, I, I guess what that person's next step is, I guess towards Jesus. So, yeah, because I I think <laughs> just thinking of all the people I've kind of coached through this over the years, uh, one thing I like about FOJ that we added a couple years ago is that intro where it kind of walks you through asking questions about where they are in their faith and because it, it was so interesting to me how people would study with someone and not know if they were a Christian yet you know or they would and I'm like well how did you know what to talk yeah. about you know yeah, if, I, I mean. if I'm studying you know the very first lesson words of life we're talking about the Bible I need to know before I start that does this person already believe the Bible's God's word? They're sold. Uh, maybe they're not living it out, or maybe they haven't learned how to study it very deeply yet. Or is this someone that's approaching it? They don't even know what's in it. They've never read any of it. And so I can do the exact same lesson, but as Garrett's saying, we we focus on different things. Mm -hmm. we, we have different goals. So we have multiple goals for each of those lessons, but which one needs to be in the driver's seat of this study and which ones need to sort of be passengers riding along. And, and if I don't do any prep and prayer and thinking, 
sometimes the wrong person's driving, you know, and we're going the wrong direction. Yeah, I think the best preparation is um, observant prayer and, and asking myself and asking God, what does this person need from this and how do I help them, you know, move towards, towards him in that? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think one other pitfall that I see, I think when we don't go in with, with any sense of goals or preparation, often we end up just kind of chatting. And maybe we're even chatting about things that are scriptural, but there's kind of this underlying assumption that as long as we're talking about something that's related to the Bible in some way, that's great. And, oh, yeah, we had a great conversation. We talked about, you know, Revelation for two hours. I'm like, well, that's great. But is that, you know, Paul, when he would write to a church to minister to them, didn't just say, let me tell you all of the most interesting ideas I've most recently thought about. Yeah. He thought about that church and their needs, and he wrote to them to minister to them. <clears throat> the study is designed to give you sort of buckets of topics that we know can minister to each and every person. Um, and a lot of the stuff we spend time on doesn't really, or it's so niche and sort of felt need that it, yeah, maybe they like talking about it, but it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, being on different teams growing up. I remember playing basketball and, you know, what did me and my friends want to do every practice? We just wanted to scrimmage. Like we just want to get out there and play. And what did our, our good coaches want us to do? Like run drills, practice the fundamentals so that we could actually play better some point in the future. And I think a lot of times that's how I see our FOJ studies kind of going off the rails is that we're not really practicing the fundamentals. We just want to get out there like we're some amazing ministers and spout off our opinions on things. But it's God's word uh, that really brings life and, and God's word directs us in certain directions yeah and I think that's also why it's important not to just follow every rabbit trail or idea that someone has because they're going to have questions during the study that are great questions but they're not like moving you towards your goal you know of that study and it can derail your whole conversation and so one thing I learned a long time ago who knows from who is just on my back page, I make a parking lot, I call it, and I write all of their questions down, and I tell them during the study, like, we will get to your questions, I promise. I'll write them all down, they're all gonna be here for our last study, but let's just try to stay on this topic today so that we can achieve our goals. And so I think that's also a good yeah. part of preparation is not to, just chase everything but to know what you're trying to get done yeah i do that exact same thing with the with the parking lot if a, if a question's not on topic i write it down and then what i find often is by the time we've gotten to the end of the study when we go back to that parking lot we've already talked about a lot of them because sometimes they're just anticipating something we'll talk about in two or three weeks if we stay on topic yeah and uh, i mean maybe another thing that i didn't say earlier that is relevant here in terms of preparation the best preparation we can possibly have for one-on-one -on -one relationships that are deep and pointed towards jesus is to have our own relationship with god that is consistent and that we're pursuing him well 
uh, in worship and in prayer and in scripture and that kind of stuff. I think that's incredibly important. So maybe that goes without saying, maybe it doesn't. No, I mean, I was wondering why you didn't say it earlier. And I've been, <laughs> I've been praying for you throughout <laughs> this, you so just much. that the Lord would Thank convict you. your heart. I appreciate so, that. And he uh, did. It worked. That's good. Praise that's God. Good, yeah. Um, yeah. When you think about one-on-one studies, I'm in an FOJ with someone, I'm studying the Bible with them. What do you think done right looks like? What do you think those relationships look like when they're done well? And maybe as a side note, what do you, what do you see as some of the like, the, 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 the pitfalls there? I think Mandy brought up one that comes to my mind, which is we, we follow every rabbit trail and we never actually study we never get to the most important things. Well, one of the things, too, that I've noticed, um, especially in the past few years, that we tend to do when we're studying the Bible with someone is we spend so much of our time trying to be counselors to each other. How was your week? And what's going on with you and your mom? Or what trauma happened to you? Or I don't know. Like, we kind of start with the and we wind up having an hour and a half that we've sat together and talked about good things but we haven't ever actually opened the word of god and sat down and studied the bible with someone and and i think that is um that is a pitfall we can fall into because i think that it's not my voice that's going to change somebody it is the word of God, and we're trying to study and show each show this person who Jesus is. And so, my advice is to open God's word, and you'll learn those things through the study. And you can actually use the word of God to minister to them through that. So that's yeah. Well, and <clears throat> let me add something to that, just real practically, because I think what happens is. I ask someone to study, we set aside this hour or this hour and 15 minutes, but then what really happens is, you know, we sit and chat for 45 minutes or an hour, and then we start the study, and then we go really slow, and so it it really is a two-hour thing or a a two-and-a-half-hour thing, and so when people's lives get busy, as they do, and they have school and stuff, they're like, I don't have two and a half hours. So they cancel. And so then instead of this being a 10 week study, it's a 10 month study because we've made it, we've set this precedent where every time we get together has to be a three hour thing. And I'm like, I think if you'll set the precedent that we can have a friendship outside of this, but this hour we've decided to devote to studying the scripture together. And so when we get together, yeah, maybe I'll say hi and how you doing? But we're going to spend two minutes on that, and then we're going to spend 58 minutes on the scripture. And that way, on a busy week, you know, maybe we say, well, I only have 45 minutes, but we can get together and do a lesson of FOJ. And because I have 45 minutes, but I don't have three hours. And so I think one of the things that's really slowing down our studies is this thing where we make them super long because we don't actually start studying the Bible. Yeah, I mean, I think the if you see it as like a spectrum, you can see it as like, there's the purposeful side and then there's maybe the relational side. And I don't think those things are necessarily at odds. It's a false contrast, but I think you can have one of two major problems. Either you get together 
with somebody and you basically just read scriptures and you don't really dive into each yeah. other's lives very much and it's transactional because my first couple years of doing foj with people when i was a freshman and a sophomore that was it i saw those people once a week i was with them for an hour or an hour and a half and i basically was just you know transactionally going through foj and not developing a friendship with them and then the next years, it was kind of the exact opposite. It was like, oh, I need to be a friend of them too. So we would just talk a lot and talk about each other's lives. Yeah. And then I didn't really go through FOJ with them very well. So I think it's striking this balance of, and, and that's what FOJ is good about teaching you to do in your adult friendships, which you'll have to learn too, which is, hey, I want to have a deep relational friendship with someone, but I also really want to be purposely pursuing God with this person too. And FOJ is a great kind of starter for that for college students that otherwise wouldn't have a platform uh, or a foundation for that moving into the adult world. Yeah, and I also think um, when I've done FOJs well, I also am equally as vulnerable and I share my thoughts, my sins, things that I've struggled with also Mm -hmm. through the study. And I think that's what can make a powerful one-on-one study because you're actually building a French, a spiritual friendship, you know, using the word of God, showing the person that you're with, you're just as in need of Jesus as they are. Mm -hmm. And I've found like the more I share and the more open I am, the more that people will feel like they can actually open up to you. It makes you safe because they know that you're no better than they are. Yeah, I think um, I've learned in every study I've ever done. And sometimes I think it's it's almost counterintuitive. It's the people who are uh, maybe have never even read these scriptures before that often see the things in them that that I don't see. Yes. You know, I've I've heard too many lessons. I I read them. I don't notice words. I imagine words that aren't really there and um, and so getting to, to hear from someone who's never thought about these things, um, they just bring fresh eyes and, and that has been really enriching. And then everyone comes from different experiences and things. And so, yeah, I, I go into FOJ with a sense of expectancy that God is going to speak to me through the scripture. And I don't think that means that I don't go in um, thinking I'm going to lead this. I'm going to guide it. I'm going to come prepared. Um but also, the Spirit is the main minister here, and so I'm ready to be ministered to um, in this whole time. Yeah, and I would just say, as like maybe a bow on that section of like, how have I seen it done well, is, you know, I've seen FOJs where the people, the two people that are involved, they leave close friends, yeah. having shared their lives with each other, they leave with a greater knowledge of Scripture, and they leave with, you know, legitimate obvious life changes that they've started to to put into action uh, and change them that's what i think success looks like here these people have developed a relationship with each other and they're closer to jesus as a result and that's what these godly friendships look like and should uh, should figure for us moving forward let me let me talk about one other sort of pitfall that i see um and i think it's the the, just letting the fear of having any real conversations sort of take over. So um, whether that's, you know, this person 
sort of rudely stands me up and ghosts me on the phone and you know whatever it is like shows up 45 minutes late consistently and I'm like oh but they're studying the Bible so I'm never gonna actually say I think so much of the real change in a number of studies I've done has come after I've said look this is important to me I you're important to me I would love to spend this time with you but I I, my time is important, and it just seems like this isn't important to you. You're, you're not making it a priority. You're showing up late, and and sometimes people will be like, "Yeah, it's not really my thing." I'm like, "Great, we we now we know we can move on," but honestly, more often than not, they've kind of said, "Oh, no, that's not that's not at all what I wanted to communicate," and then we that's when our real study started is when they realized like, "No, we're not going to just mess around," or. Um, sometimes when I know them, I'm watching their lives and, you know, we can go read a scripture and, you know, we can do the play church thing. We read the scripture, we talked about it. I know that they're not living in obedience to that. They know that they're not living in obedience to that, but we're not going to actually talk about it. Or we can have the real conversation and just say, you know, it, it doesn't seem like this is something that's really playing out in your life. How, how are you processing that? What have your conversations with God about that looked like? Whatever that is, and and get real with each other. We have limited time, and as as Paul says in uh, you know Ephesians, to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We don't we don't have unlimited time, and so I, I think that's a pitfall I see is that we just kind of go play nice and play church, and and FOJ is one on one so that we don't have to do that. You know, if you just want content just send them some youtube videos for them to watch on their own but if you want life change go have real conversations mm -hmm. um and then let's just talk last about just this generation um what do you think are the challenges and roadblocks that this generation are facing in in pursuing these kind of one-on-one -on -one spiritual friendships even beyond fudge but the fudge plays into that I'll go. Um, maybe a part of it is the, the desire for anonymity and the freedom to have a lot of alone time. Cause I think probably 98% of us fancy ourselves introverts now, which means that we can't really be around big groups and we can't really be around other people. We need like 150 hours of alone time every week to quote unquote recharge. Um, but I, I mean, as someone who is very much uh, an introvert myself, I have to, to stretch myself. I have to be willing to put myself out there to be in these kinds of friendships and it, and it does take effort, uh, and it does take a sacrifice. And I think, um, it's hard to see that as a college student, that the, the work that you're putting in now to develop these kind of friendships will directly apply to your life post college and to what your family looks like and to what your, you know, friendships or lack of friendships is going to, uh, to be like. Uh, so that's one of them is kind of getting over this, this introvert. It reminds me of that Geico commercial where that, you know, that lady and that she's like, well, I'm an introvert. And he's like, and she's like, it's really rare in the, the lizard or whatever that, Oh, it's a gecko. There you go. Uh, is like, <laughs> is like, Oh, I don't think that means what you think it means, but I think everyone thinks that everyone feels that way. And I'm like, Oh, it's actually, it can just be a master being, Oh, you know, you're just selfish. You don't want to do, you don't want to put yourself out there. Um, you know, you want to remain, uh, kind of in a comfortable place. That's a huge one. And anonymity is another one too. It's, 
I don't know where we got the idea that that's like the, the be all end all of everything, but the gospel calls us into the light. It calls us to being known. It calls us to put ourselves out there and to say what we are and who we are and what we think and that kind of stuff and be willing to be wrong. It's another one of those things that's hard in this generation to be wrong because because if you put something out there and it's not beautiful and lovely all over the place, then you know you could be criticized. So that's well, you know, a couple things. That's what I was gonna add on to because what I was thinking is one of the challenges is everyone's offended and Jesus is offensive. Like he he didn't you know just go out there trying to please everybody. He told people the truth. And I think one of the things in the generation we're living in right now is we just try so hard not to offend anyone or upset them or, you know, whatever. And there's a lot of good in that, obviously, but, but we can't do that at the cost of telling people the truth mm-hmm. about Jesus and teaching people what Jesus taught. We're mm-hmm. very afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it probably flows in some ways from what Garrett was talking about, but I think just the the sheer amount of time that we're spending on entertainment, yep. it, it's interesting to me. And, and I think school has gotten harder. I think people have more homework, and some of, especially at some of our colleges. Um, but, you know, we talk about uh, our faith acronym for leadership, faithful, available, initiating, teachable, and heart for God and people. And I think I've watched this availability thing drop, but, but I've always said from the beginning, availability is not about how busy you are. Some of our most available people over the years have been our busiest and some of our least busy people, you can't ever get with them. Um, but I think there's this heart of like, yes, I will make time for the things that are important and I'm going to make time for people. And I think as we, you know, look at our screen time on our phones and, you know, and things like that in a week, uh, I just think that, that this generation, if you want to have real impact on people, if you want to have real kingdom relationships, if you want to actually do the Christian life, it will cut into the number of shows you get to binge watch, the number of hours you get to play video games, um, you know, the, the amount of books you get to read and, and those kinds of things. Those are just sacrifices we have to make. And I think sometimes we have to think of them that way. They're not bad things. It's just how much of it is really included in God's vision of the good life for us. Yeah, and I know that it, it's easy on the front end to look at that as like, man, that's so hard. That's a lot of sacrifice. But the irony of that is once you do it and develop mm-hmm. these deep friendships and look back at like what you wasted all that time doing, yeah. there is no part of you that will regret that. Mm-hmm. You will think, oh, I just traded it a bunch of trash for something that was deeply meaningful yeah. and good. And it actually was so much more fun than spending all that time alone, all that time, you know, just kind of doing my own thing and mm-hmm. pleasing myself. Well, and it's like that with a lot of the things we do with friends when they're not spiritual friendships. You know, we can spend a ton of time with with people, but when there's no real depth, when there's no real safety, um, and I, I've watched that with students over the years where they just, you know, the going gets tough and, and these so-called friends disappear. They don't have anyone around them. They don't have anyone to walk through hard things with them. 
Um, but they had a lot of fun with those people, just kind of, but, but it, there was no depth to it. There was no real care. And so our hope is that as we do this FOJ thing, that it's a part of building this, this really uh, powerful web of relationships in our ministry to where, um, you know, my goal is not just that everyone has one spiritual friend, but that everyone in our community has at least five spiritual friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially those who are coming to faith for the first time, that they need five deep, committed spiritual friendships if they're going to really stick with Christ over the long run and, and learn, uh, because there is suffering. It is hard. Um, but there's joy in all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it takes some time to learn to experience that and live in that. Yeah, and I'd just say, too, we should do some sort of follow-up at some point about, because I think as a college student, it's easy to kind of get enamored in the details of college and that kind of stuff and not see where all this is supposed to lead yeah. you to after college and in your adult faith and adult walk. But these things, FOJ, one-on-one relationships, that kind of stuff, they are the seeds to a healthy Christian life yeah. for the rest of your life and the kind of friendships and relationships that are meant to see you through the, the hardest and the best times of your yeah. life instead of being a couch potato at age 50 who with has no, no friends. friends. Yeah. And who I think a lot of us have seen with parents and, you know, grandparents stuff. You're like, man, who do they spend time with? But I, you do see those people every now and then and they but they're the exception they didn't get that way accidentally. Mm-hmm. Don't accidentally have a huge web of friends that love them well and that kind of stuff. And that's a huge one too. So they spend time with their spouse and their dog. Yeah, that's that's about yeah. it. And that's not the vision mm-hmm. of a disciple you know, moving mm-hmm. forward. But yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for getting together. I appreciate getting to talk. And and our prayer for you guys who are listening is that um, this would be a part of building a, a life that really pleases God and, uh, and has a big impact on the people around you for many, many years to come.